today. And well, I want to ask you, first of all, how many of you like statistics? How many of you are statistic people? I probably need a little bit more, but yeah, that's fine. All right. Statistics can, can be dry, but I think the statistics that I want to give to you today can be exciting and inspirational. I really do. It's been a great year in the life of Grace Bible Church. And I want you to know that, and uh, today is the annual time where I give a report. It's not a message per se, but at the end of the report, I'm going to give you a challenge for this coming year. Um, But I do want to begin by just listing out several uh, highlights, ministry highlights. We're not going to put all these on the board, and then we'll get into the statistics. But as you know, over the past several years, we have adopted an apartment complex down the street, and uh, we continue to do that, Cypress Creek and Mariposa. We have delivered food every, every month to uh, residents there. And um, we average around 40 bags of food every month, and we rotate people over there. There's a lot of needy people. And so when Food Ministry Day comes up, kind of remember to bring a few items for that. Uh, the elementary school down the street, we uh, provide at Frost Elementary, we provide 20 of our folks that mentor there, we mentor uh, 20 or more students. Some of them have two students. We also have some mentors that I've heard about uh, who mentor in other schools because maybe they had a student that uh, left and went to another school, or maybe they prefer an older uh, age group. And so we may have 25 to 30 mentors scattered throughout the district. Uh, we continue to once a month honor the teachers at Frost, and we leave them a, an appreciation gift each and every month. This past year saw the, the, uh, the uh, escalation, if you will, of the, our Ready Christian Ministry, which is our local ministry that connects with the Austin Disaster Relief Network. Uh, many of our life groups have adopted victims of the uh, floods this past year and are ministering to them very personally. Uh, we've sent teams uh, there to be able to help with the cleanup, and uh, we've even sent a team down near the border uh, of Mexico to help with, te- uh, with cleanup over there. It's an amazing ministry, and it's amazing how God is bringing the church together in central Texas to meet the disasters that occur in people's lives and hearts, and it's a joy for us to be a part of it. Uh, they meet once a month, by the way, on a Monday night, and if you watch the bulletin for that meeting, get a, be a part of that, uh, the compassionate work that we can do to help people who are in really desperate situations. We had several welcome classes this past year where 60 brand new people to our church attended. Uh, and if you kind of count the, the students and the uh, children that go along with that, probably 80 or 90 people represented by those welcome classes that we've had this year. Uh, we've had a few staff additions this past year. Uh, Ray Rodriguez, who led the worship today, has been added to our staff as an assistant uh, director of worship. He's Doug's assistant, and it's a privilege to have him helping out in that area and does a lot of the behind-the-scenes work, and so we're grateful for him. Also, Ray Watkins uh, was added to the staff this past year as the director of pastoral care, and uh, we appreciate the work that both of those do. And uh, we had no staff turnover as far as people leaving this past year. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, and um, we'll hurt them if they ever do leave. But that's uh, neither here nor there. But we are just so grateful for, uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about the staff later, but we are grateful for them. Uh, this past summer, Vacation Bible School, I'm not trying to steal Cheryl's thunder and her, the meeting afterwards, but uh, we had 156 kids attend our VBS this summer. We had a daily average of 130. Uh, they raised uh, almost $1,900 uh, to build a goat pen in Belize. You remember that? And uh, those goats are happy down there in Belize. So 
Uh, we continue our Christmas ministries of Angel Tree and Operation Christmas Child. You just over and abundantly gave during the holidays. And uh, uh, we're beginning this year now with life groups. Uh, if you're not in a life group, many of them are kicking off right at this season of the year. We have 12 life groups. So far we have 145 adults uh, in those 12 groups, but uh, they could handle some more. So if you want information about that, please see Justin uh, and, or email the office and we'll get you connected. Uh, we baptized 13 people this past year, praise the Lord, and uh, we appreciate Steve and Kim Broad's uh, home and the use of that for those baptisms. And we had 15 folks, 15 people who went on the short-term mission trips this past summer to Berlin and Belize, and uh, we hope to inc encourage more and more people to be on the mission field, to be able to experience a different culture, and so we'd like to see that uh, increase over the coming year. I, it's impossible for me to uh, highlight every possible thing that comes and goes in the life of a church during the course of the year, but uh, these are just some of the highlights that I share with you. And uh, now I want to give you some statistics, okay? Uh, now, hopefully, there's not too many of you, when you see a bunch of numbers, your eyes just kind of glaze over, okay? Uh, but uh, here is our first set of statistics. These, we're going to talk about money, first of all, okay? So can I have the next uh, frame up there? All right, here's the historical giving report, and I just want to say a few words about that, is that you'll see in 2010 is when we started raising money uh, for, the, for the new facility. That's why we had a considerable increase uh, over the, from 2009 to 2010, and then you can see the steady increase. But I want you to see what we gave in 2013. We gave this amount. Next. Uh, wait, go back a slide. And now just push the down arrow. <laughs> there you go. Isn't that great? So we gave $726,000 this past year, 25% increase over the previous year. Now uh, the next slide will kind of break that down. Uh, $500,000 was given towards the uh, general budget, regular giving. Building fund collected $225,000 this past year for that, uh, that total that you saw on the previous slide. I want you to know that the 2014 budget is set at 511. We raised 500 uh, this past year. This next budget is set at $511,000. Um, but I also want you to know that 42,000 of that is to pay interest on the debt that is accrued uh, during the course of this year. Um, it's our intention to pay any interest on financing uh, from the church budget. So that when people give money to the facility, all the money that's given directly towards building costs go to reduce the principal amount of the building. And uh, we're not uh, asking people to contribute to the building while we're uh, and using that to pay interest. So um, I do want to give you a brief financial uh, picture regarding the new facility. The total projected cost is $3.2 million. Uh, we're currently in a three-year campaign uh, we're about a year, well, we're almost a year into it. Um, it's our second uh, fundraising campaign, um, and it's called Prepare the Way, and people have made pledges. And once all that money has been received, we'll have received about $1.1 million from the people of this church. Uh, the sale of our current facility is going to net around 900000 I didn't put all these up there, so you're going to have to do this math in your head, right? Uh, those two combined, what people have given and what the sale of this property will bring will equal $2 million. So that means the balance is what we finance. at. So that's $1.2 million, about 35% of the total project. 
Okay? Um, and if we continue to raise funds for the facility just at the current rate that we're raising them, we can have it paid off in six years or less. Now, it's our hope that we accelerate that, obviously. And it's our hope that uh, we get it paid off as quickly as possible. Uh, three to five years would be uh, just really a blessing from the Lord if we could begin to move that direction. Okay? We're always willing to give you more information. If you'd like more information than that, more details, uh, please let us know. Uh, also, I want you to be aware of 2014, uh, 2013's giving to missions. Uh, I think it's significant. So uh, in, out of our church budget, here's the first amount that you see. Out of our church budget, we gave 62, a little over 62000 uh, to missions. Uh, people raised money to go on mission trips this past year, and we gave 11000 807 on the mission trips to fund those trips. Uh, then there are people in our church who uh, have a particular interest or feel called to support missionaries on their own, and they might give, they'll give that money to the church, and we pass it on to those mission organizations. And individuals who have done that this past year have raised $20,000 uh, that have been contributed to mission work through this church um, outside of the budget. So that gives us a total for missions giving of 94000 this past year, and I think that's pretty, pretty great, don't you? Uh, we have, um, yeah. Um, I think one of the reasons that God has, has really blessed us over the, over the years is that we have had a minimum of 10% that goes to other ministries to support other ministries. As you can see, 94000 is well over 10%. Even the 62000 is over ten, well over 10% of our, of our budgeted money. And so it's just a real joy and a blessing to be able to bless others. And I know that God uses that in our own lives, in our own church, to bless us. So, uh, As far as expenses, uh, this past year our church budget was 426000 and we actually spent 442000 So we did run over budget, but... Uh, like I just said, we give a, a certain amount of a certain percentage to missions. So when you receive more money, guess what happens? You give more money. And so of the, uh, what is that, $16,000 difference, about half of that was our increased amount that we gave to missions. And then the added staff people uh, that we added were uh, accounted for most of the rest of it. So there's been, we don't want you to get the idea that the staff is just spending lots and lots of money, okay? They were very, very uh, frugal and uh, kept within their budgets this past year, and we appreciate that so much. So that's the money talk. Now we're going to talk about people, uh, membership. Uh, let's, there's the historical uh, trend and historical pattern you can see over the years. Um, and then this past year in membership, we finished the year with 196 members. And uh, that's an increase of 14%. And um, we actually took in 32 new members, and nine members moved away or left. And so we had a net gain of the 24. So um, I want you to see attendance numbers just so you're kind of aware of what's happening here in our church. So the next slide is, I think, the attendance and you can see the historical patterns there. And our attendance average for 2013 was this. It was 287. And so we had an increase of 13%. Um, sometimes people ask me, what's the difference between the two services? Uh, so today, today might not be the best gauge of that because some people will come to the second service because the meeting is coming up after that. But uh, 
Uh, over the course of the past year, our uh, second service averaged about 25 more than the first service uh, over the course of the year. We had the third service for much of the year, uh, which eased some of the burden upon those two services. Our children's ministry averaged 58 uh, kids every Sunday uh, over the course of the year. And that's a 13% increase of attendance over the last year, but I also want you to know over the last third of the year, uh, we averaged 306. And so you can see already we are above that number for the last half of the year. So I, I, I would give you all these numbers just only because I think you need to know. I think you need to know what the money is about. You need to know what the membership, you need to know what the attendance is. But these aren't our goal, right? We don't operate a church to see how much money we can make. We don't operate a church to see how many people there can be stuffed into the building. We operate a church to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and to carry on his work. And these sometimes are reflections of the health of the church. And so um, that's why we present them to you. I do want to say a personal thanks to people. And so I'm going to put up two groups of people that are special to me and meaningful to me. The first is the staff. And uh, as you can see, our staff is growing. Every year I have to make the font smaller to get them on one frame. So uh, you can see Justin and Cheryl and Josh and Doug and Bonnie and Stacy and both Ray's and uh, I just want to tell you what a privilege it is to work with these people and what a privilege it is to come to work every day and to be able to associate with people who have a heart and a passion for the work of the, God, of the Lord, but also really have a passion for one another. And uh, many times we'll lay aside personal preference in order to uh, build unity within our staff. And I appreciate each and every one of them and their heart for the Lord. And I think we ought to just give them a hand. I do. Also, uh, the, the Board of Elders that are going to serve this next year, uh, we happen to fall in a year. Uh, in, our, in our form here, uh, our, our bylaws, you can only serve on the Elder Board for three consecutive years, and we happen to hit a year where nobody came to the end of their third year, and so we're retaining all the elders that we had last year, and we've added the two that uh, were presented to you over the last month. And so you can see from this list who they are, Michael Campbell, Gary, Jimmy, and Dennis, Vic, James, Joe, myself, and uh, Ray Rodriguez. And uh, we, yesterday at our meeting, uh, designated the chair as James Morgan and the vice chair as Vic Hollubeck. And uh, I do appreciate Vic especially who has served in, uh, as the chairman over the past year and his leadership and friendship and support and his heart for this church, his heart for ministry. I appreciate all these guys and uh, their, um, their support and relationship with me is something that I cherish uh, each and every day and I'm so grateful for. Um, I do want you to know that it's been a, uh, a real personal privilege for me to be the pastor of this church. Uh, this is a milestone year for, for me personally as I've been here 10 years. <laughs> and completed 10 years of, of pastoral ministry in this church. And uh, I, I want to say that, again, I uh, thank you for the generous love offering that you gave to my family back in August uh, as an expression of your appreciation. And I just uh, I want you to know that it, it just means so much to us, uh, not only that you care, but that we've had this enduring relationship. And uh, I just... Uh, Sometimes, I was thinking about this today, getting a little nostalgic. You know, this is the last one of these reports I'm going to give in this facility. <laughs> There's just a lot of sentimental kind of things that kind of hit me. Uh, ten years of ministry, 
And, uh, you know, in many ways, you know, I just, I just feel like that, uh, you know, sometimes in your life, you recognize why you were born and brought into this world. <laughs> and I, I can truly say that there is, uh, there is that assurance in my soul that my life has led to a point of coming to this body of people. And it's been orchestrated to bring me here and to be able to serve among you and to be able to journey with you. And uh, I just count it as the highest privilege of my life to be a part of this congregation. And I don't say it enough. I'm not the, I'm not the touchy-feely type. <laughs> but I, I deeply love you. Um, over the past three weeks, it's kind of my report, okay? And now I'm going to preach for an hour. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, over the past three weeks, we looked at a passage, a couple of verses from Philippians, the third chapter. And um, I want to just close with some thoughts from there. And it, here's the passage. It's these two verses, Philippians 3, 13 and 14. It says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at what it means to forget what lies behind and how critical that is to be able to lay aside what has come. It's, it's critical that we as a church lay aside and, and not live in the past, but appreciate the past and appreciate what God has done, celebrate what he has done, but to move on. We're running a race, and it's not over. The finish line is ahead. Last, year, last week we looked at reaching forward to what lies ahead and the intention and the purpose of that, to the purpose and uh, the, the meaning of having a vision for your future. And the third piece of the one thing that Paul says here, one thing I do, the third piece of that one thing is to press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I hope that from these two verses you can see that there is this singular focus, this, this very concise, directed focus towards what is yet to come. There is a prize, there is a goal, and that is the heavenly or the upward call of God that is only found in our relationship and connection with Jesus Christ. You won't get the, 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 the goal, you won't get the, the idea of where you're heading uh, separate from that relationship with Him, but it's in that context, in that embodiment of the relationship in our life that we begin to understand the call of God for not only our lives, but this church. And so many people today, we just live scattered and fragmented and cluttered lives. And they spend time and resources and energy just all over the place. It's kind of like the shotgun life, you know what I mean? Their life is just splattered in so many different ways. That there's not this singular, I'm directed, I know where I'm headed, I know the call of God on my life. And everything's going to feed that direction. I would propose that in our own lives and in our church, we kind of need that rifle sighted in 
as opposed to the shotgun that sprays. And as we move through this year, well, we're going to just frankly see a lot of change in our church, aren't we? We're going to see a lot of change physically as we relocate. The, can you imagine worshiping in a, uh, in a room that's three times this size? Can you imagine uh, a church that has more people? Uh, the feel of worship may seem at first to take on a different feel to it. The, the more people coming kind of changes the social dynamics of the church in certain ways. There's different focuses that we need to have in order to maintain and enhance community as we grow larger. And my encouragement is to not make church, not make this vision, this focus of the future upon those kinds of things. Are they important? Sure, but they only help to serve that singular focus that we have of the call of Christ Jesus on our hearts and our lives. The call of God that has been given to us at Grace centers around a couple of things, and I want to share those with you as, as we uh, spend this time thinking about our church in the past and now in the future. And the first one is this. It's the vision of making disciples. It, it, it's a fulfillment of the great commission that, that Jesus gave his disciples that we go, therefore, into all the world making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And the, the way in which that has taken shape here at Grace is through these three words of worship, connect, and serve. A disciple is a learner. It's one that is always seeking the heart of God and growing in Christ and growing in relationship. And to facilitate that, that sense of growth in people's lives, it's our encouragement to you to be involved in three things. Uh, the first one is to corporately and privately gain a heart of worship for God. Worship is not one of those optional things. Worship is not one of those things for singers <laughs> or musicians because it doesn't flow out of that. It flows out of the heart for God. It flows out of a hunger for Him. It flows out of an expression to Him. And so we want to help facilitate that by being a part of a worship atmosphere corporately and privately. The, the next one is connection. We want to connect to God and His people. We want to be able to be a part of a community where we are spiritually known, where we can know spiritually other people, that we can receive the, the edification of the gifts of other people, where we can express the gifts that God has given us towards other people. And you only do that in the context of the closeness of relationships. The, 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 the scripture is, is very clear on this, that there's no Lone Ranger isolationism in Christianity. <laughs> Christianity is a shared experience with others. And so we have facilitate that here through life groups and, and various other ways. But life groups is our main way of bringing people together in relational closeness so they can be the body of Christ together. In many ways, I'll just tell you that the, the real happenings of the church happen in life groups. They don't happen here on Sunday morning. We understand that, right? Uh, sitting in nice, neat rows looking at the back of someone's head is not the scriptural mandate and scriptural call for community. Is it important that we come together and, and gather around the Word and worship together? Yes, it is. But the serving, the edification, the uh, instruction, the admonition, all of these kinds of one another's that we find in the New Testament are best lived out in community. And so I encourage each and every one of you to be in Christian community, shared spiritual life with others. It may be a life group 
here at our church. It may be in a, a circle of Christian friends you have elsewhere. You may be involved in a community Bible study. You may be involved in... But we encourage everyone to have spiritual friends that you're journeying spiritually with. That's the connect part. Also, we believe that a healthy Christian is a serving Christian. Uh, An unhealthy Christian is a selfish Christian. I go to church because it meets my needs. I do whatever I need to do in order to meet my needs. And I would contend that the person who is in Christianity for themselves uh, really misses the joy of the faith. (laughs) The joy of the faith is the expression of God through you. That you're making a difference in the life of somebody else. That we collectively are making a difference in our community. That we're seeing people come to the Lord through the ministry of this church. And we see needs being met, which lead us to the opportunity to express the gospel to people's lives. There's nothing more thrilling than to see the gifts of God being used in your life to touch somebody else. And so we have a variety of ways to do that here, obviously. One of the main avenues that we have is the shape class. I encourage everybody to take the shape class. Every time Justin and I teach it together, every time I teach that class, I just... I just, in my heart, I'm just saying, I wish everybody would come to this. Because it, it takes the spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences, and all five of those together make you unique. Make you specially gifted. Make you understand your calling in life. So that you may be able to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. So, I would encourage you to do that. I would encourage you to serve somewhere. If you have a heart for things that we don't do here at our church or special kinds of missions or ministries, we want to help facilitate your connection points with those. So, please uh, share your heart with us. Contact us if you would like to serve, but you just don't know where to begin. Um, Let us know. There's just something about it. Worship God. Connect with the family of God and serve others. Be intentional about your discipleship. Let the, let the life of Christ in you compel you towards love, towards service, towards one another, towards him. One of the passages uh, that is familiar to us but is in the same chapter uh, as the verses that I read earlier is uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 5. Well, it's, it's the chapter before. We were in Philippians 3. But I want to read this passage of Scripture and then move into the next point. Our first vision is the vision of making disciples. The first five verses of Philippians 2 says this, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then you have the passage on the humility of Jesus, which follows. And the call of God, which is central to the church, is love. And we must never forget that. It is the mark of the Christian, as Francis Schaeffer says. And so I would present to us a vision of love this year. A vision to love one another. And that love is found in a unity of purpose, that we love one another. We use our gifts together so that we are unified in what we're trying to accomplish in the ministry that God has given us. It's through our own personal humility and our deference to others. 
considering others more important than ourselves. We seek as a church to live lives of grace toward each other, toward the world. As members of the body of Christ, we reject the ideas of judgmentalism and critical spirits in favor of acceptance and love. And it becomes extremely important when we're journeying together as a church, especially in the relocation of a church. Because let me ask you, how many of you have a personal preference of the way you'd like the new church to look? Uh, You're not raising your hands. Smart. (laughs) But everybody probably has some kind of a personal preference, right? But in giving deference to one another, in walking humbly of spirit, in being committed to the common purpose that we have as a church We journey together through those kinds of things, and we don't make the ministry about that. We make it about the call of God upon our church's life. I think this is so critically important because none of us knows the future. We don't know what 2014 is going to to bring. But we do know from Scripture that... um, Life as we know it may not always be this way. Jesus himself said that. We don't know if this is a year of of turmoil in our world. We really don't. But if it were, are we prepared? And so I read this passage of Scripture because in, in many ways, I think it really needs to be always remembered and thought about and prayed for that God would make us a people prepared and ready no matter what happens in our world. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 24 when he's talking about the last days. He says, Then they will deliver you, the church, to tribulation. We'll kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many of the church. And then he says, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. He's talking about the church. And he's saying when cultural turmoil begins to really press in on us, we see who we really are. When cultural calamity comes... It reveals the true character. So do you think cultural calamity is possible during your lifetime? (laughs) Some would say probable. (laughs) Are you ready? Will you be one of these he's talking about, Jesus is talking about, that, that falls away, that grows cold towards your brother and sister in Christ? Will you be one that just wants to hear somebody say something good and so you'll follow after the teachings of people who promise things to make you happy? And what about our love? Can we love one another no matter what happens? No matter what it costs us? Do we see the love that we have for one another as our greatest resource as a church. If we cease to love each other, we've lost what it means to be Christian. 
The world knows you're Christian by the way you love each other. Uh, to me, that's a fascinating verse. It doesn't even say they know you're Christian by the way you love them. They know you're Christian by the way you love each other. And they observe that. And they say, Jesus is real. I see it. We must practice love. And it's, 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 it's rooted in this unity of purpose, this personal humility and deference to one another. I'm praying for an outpouring of God's love this year in our congregation, a continued growth in our, in our expression of his grace towards one another. I just, I just want the community of Georgetown in this area to know that those people over at Grace, they're just so loving. And I just pray that this year will be significant in the breakthroughs in our lives as we grow in our, in our closeness to Him, as we offer ourselves and to press on, to, 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 to see the finish line down there and to... Say, I've been called, and I know the call of God in my heart and my life, and I'm, I'm not going to be deterred or distracted. I'm going to put aside the past. I'm going to reach forward and be intentional and to see the call of God fulfilled. I think we ought to do that this year. I think we ought to just commit ourselves to that and to just see all that he might bring about through his power, his spirit. Let's pray together.